IGN Playlist is a new home to your game library. Rate games, share lists, and log your game time, powered by How Long to Beat. Sign up for early access today at playlist.ign.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome to IGN Gamescoop. I'm your host, Damon Hatfield. Joining me this week are Tina Amini. Hello from my couch. Hello there. We <laughs> consider the mess pardon. Justin Davis. Scoop. And Sam Claiborne. Oh, man, I love a little bit of good prop comedy. It's good stuff. <laughs> we got a great show for you today. Uh, we're going to talk about a couple uh, hardware delays. Both Steam Deck and Playdates are delayed. Sorry, Christmas. What? I didn't Christmas. see this. I, I didn't know Playdate was delayed. <laughs> I know. Awesome. Oh, yeah. Christmas is ruined. I know. Uh, we've got a I've got a question about um, introducing someone to Ocarina of Time for the first time and best practices to do so. But first, mm. it's that time of year. There are lots and lots of games coming out all at the same time. Lots of old games are back. Skyrim is back. GTA is back. KOTOR is back. But the game of the moment is undoubtedly Forza Horizon 5. And I am here to report that I've never played a Forza game before. Hmm. But I felt I felt like now, especially since it's on Game Pass, I mm-hmm. and everyone is talking about it. Everyone is uh, singing its praises, even people who don't play racing driving games saying it's great. So I was like, well, I just there's no way I can not play this game now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I can I, I do not care about cars. I do not care about driving, but I can report to you that I love it. It's so fun. I'm having a great I- time with it. I think it's made exactly for the type of person that's not like a super hardcore, you know, racing car guy. Although, I, well, it does have, you know, if you're a car enthusiast, like you can do all the tuning yeah. and all the really hardcore stuff too. But like, yeah. it's clearly made for people to just bop it and have a good time. Like, you don't need to be a super fan. Yeah. Uh, I know Justin, you're playing it. Sam, Tina, have either of you checked it out? Not yet, but man, with everybody going on and on about it, even people that I did not expect to like, um, you know, I guess traditional racing games are enjoying it, uh, might just have to. Yeah, I mean, like like I said, it's on Game Pass, so why not? Sam, how about you? Yeah, I've played through the intro segments um, so far. Uh, I haven't done any of anything past that yet, but, you know, it looks good on a new TV and on these new consoles, which is nice. Uh, I'm terrible at it so far. So I'm looking well, forward to uh, kind of learning the controls and stuff. But that rewind button is pretty nice. <laughs> you know, Every game re- should have a rewind button. Why I couldn't not? believe it was in it, actually. <laughs> I love Burnout Paradise. Like I, I, that game, I really, really liked it. So I know these are the spiritual successors to that type of arcade open world racer. And I've just never they always come out at the time where I'm like, I should be playing all of these games, but I can only get to a few. So I haven't. And this is the one I'm going to try. Right. But yeah, having a rewind button. Why doesn't like why doesn't Metro Dread have a rewind button? Why not Last of Us Two? <laughs> Just put, put a rewind button in everything. <laughs> um, oh man, it's all I do. That's all I do is play that game. I like my kids haven't been fed or bathed in days. <laughs> um, no, I'm really really hooked on it. Um, and I, I like I was I was absolutely loving Guardians of the Galaxy. I still do, but it's just been completely completely usurped and like put on the shelf thanks to Forza. Like I can't get enough of it and like. The moment, like it's time, like game time for for dad and the kids are in bed and stuff. Bam, straight back to Forza. Yeah, um, it's like I think there's like eighty or something race events, and I've done I've done fifty of them now. Wow. Yeah. So, Tina, are you still playing Far Cry Six? Um, I haven't in a minute because Sam and I are pretty dedicated to co-oping that game. So yeah. we both put that on a beat for a second. I'm playing a lot of Ratchet and Clank hilariously, finally. Um, and I really love it. I, I'm kind of in this mode of playing a bunch of games that we've talked about that I just haven't gotten to because it's mid-November. We're getting to the end of the year and voting sessions. Um, and I'm a uh, on a bunch of uh, Game Award podcast episodes where we talk about a lot of those games. So I want to be as knowledgeable as possible. So I've been playing like Death's Door, Inscription. um, And then, yeah, I I feel like I'm towards the end of Ratchet and Clank. And of course, a little bit of sprinkle of uh, Zookeeper World as well. I think I've got five levels left to get a gold star on out of 250. Whoa. Yeah. Well, the reason I asked about Far Cry 6 is just that Forza Horizon 5 is, is an open world game with a lot of, you know, it's just mm. a lot of similarities in, in just in that there's a giant map and 
a million things to do and unlock mm. and collect and discover and upgrade. So you're just constantly, the game's just constantly feeding you with, 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 you know, little, uh, little goodies and, and, and fun stuff. I like that it's a, it's the type of game that just by playing the game, you're, you're unlocking stuff and earning stuff passively. I'm just like driving to my next goal, but in doing so, I'm earning experience and collecting skill points and mm-hmm. knocking down signs that give me more experience and all that stuff. So. That, yeah, it it also has jungles and shit in common. Yeah, that's true. The game I have a live game help tip for you, where the game has these fast travel billboards where you crash into them, and and it's super confusing. What I thought it was doing was unlocking fast travel points, but it's not. You can fast travel, um, you know, to any of your home, like sort of the main bases, anytime in the game. And the more of those billboards that you find and crash through, it reduces the cost of the fast travel. And then if you smash through all fifty. It makes fast travel free. So, mm. oh well, you can find all fifty of those points and two hundred more of the other XP signs on our map. They're all done. I've been working on that with a couple freelancers. It's oh, that's so really good. amazing. And what, well, and what it is super amazing, what's doubly amazing about that is that that's a DLC they're trying to sell you. They'll sell I know. You tra- it's like two bucks or something. I don't know, man. I just like I, and like you, you know, Forza is actually pretty good about DLC. Like really, really meaty. Like yeah. they they have a season pass, and they always do of like just really great DLC that makes meaningful uh, additions to the game. But um, but you know, big publishers can't help themselves but kind of sell stuff like like treasure maps that should be free. Yeah, yeah. Well, in addition to those maps, we have little videos and starting places for the jumps, which are really hard. I hear from some of them. Uh, uh. I am also still playing Guardians. I think I'll probably finish it tonight. I think it's uh, amazing, and that's why I haven't been able to put down Guardians to play Forza yet. I want to get through it. Um, I've also been playing a few other games, too. I played a lot of Kenna, actually, Bridge of Spirits, which is, you know, not not really my thing, but um, I I played through a lot of that. I'll get to that. But uh, Guardians, though, man, it is so well-written, and I I don't want to move on sometimes because I just want to hear the characters (laughs) acting and writing just play out. It's so well done. And um, I think it's on the level writing and acting wise of, of any game of a Rockstar game of a of a Valve game from back in the day. Like it is that impressive to me. Definitely on par with Sony games like Last of Us and, and Uncharted stuff. And the reason I'm saying that is not because uh, well, there's one particular reason, and that's that I think these characters are like not great. I don't like Guardians of the Galaxy and I cannot stop wanting to know more about this game, this universe and these characters and hear them interact. Like, I just don't care about them at all, you know, until this game, like movies are like my, some of my least favorite Marvel movies. And like, I love this. I just think it's, it's just so, so well done. There's so much more depth to the characters. I think that's part of like, I like the guardians movies, but they are like in some moments they can be very one note, like particularly Drax. So the fact that they get a little bit more depth and you get to, you know, see the multifaceted um, parts of their, their characters and their arcs, because they're all about like, you know, we're a ragtag group of former criminals, but also we've got heart and we can improve. Like that's kind of the general, like, you know, gist of guardians of the galaxy. If I had to give like the elevator pitch. So there's so much more of that visible, um, in guardians of the galaxy, uh, in Marvel's guardians of the galaxy, I should say. Did you finish it, Tina? Oh yeah. I finished it a while ago. I burned through. Cause it's like a 15 hour game or so, which is in my opinion, like kind of a pretty ideal amount of time for a story driven game like this. Um, doesn't overstay its welcome. It doesn't leave you wanting necessarily more. Although, you know, for a good game, you always want more. Um, but yeah, it's a such a perfect bite-sized thing. So yeah, you should absolutely finish that first before you well, move on, Sam. I was yeah. loving Guardians of the Galaxy and I would love to finish it, but I ran into a bug that's pro- oh no, completely stopped. I can't progress further in the game. Oh no. It's and you tried in- to like, yeah. I've, I've loaded a former save. It uh, didn't work. It's deep oh, in the game. Boy. It's when we've met, we've encountered Mantis, who I have to say mm-hmm. is just as obnoxious as she is. And it's when she's like riding Drax on, 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 on Drax's oh, yeah. and sort of controlling him on that planet. And there's just a spot where I like, I, I need Groot to lift up a platform to get me higher and Groot just won't come do it. No so the, yeah, that one's a little finicky in general, actually, that particular command. So I've had to approach it from different angles and like, you know, look at it with the camera in a couple different angles to like really get it to work. It can be pretty finicky. Yeah, I don't know. I've watched gameplay of that moment on YouTube and, and in other people's games. He just comes up and does it, but he will not do oh, it. Oh, man. Me, so I don't know. Um, so I, I bounced off it. 
and now I'm playing. And I do want to say, uh, if they if they patch Guardians, I'll totally go back to it because I was really enjoying it a lot as well. And um, you're close to the end, yeah. I mean, I have. What's that? Oh, just I, I do have one like Forza. I've probably never said this about a racing game in my life. I do think it's on my game of the year shortlist. Like I'm enjoying it that much. I just I can't get enough. I, I, like one odd thing about it is that um, it doesn't really have any sense of progression. Like I said, I've done 50 races and race 50 feels the same as race one. Like I, I get, you know, playgrounds in a little bit of a tight spot where I don't think they want to force people to race you know, these C-class Beatles for like five hours before they yeah. start to get good <laughs> cars. But like I had like a McLaren, like I had a supercar from like the very beginning and like a really, really good dirt off-road car. And like you can use that same car for the entire, <laughs> the entire game. Like it, it, it swings the pendulum so far toward player freedom and play however you want, you know, take any car into any event, you set the difficulty, like, I want the AI to be easy or medium or hard. Um, Like it's all adjustable. Like you have complete power over everything and you don't unlock more events. You don't unlock more any, like it's all just there from the start, which is cool and really empowering and makes the game feel like a playground. But it does mean that like, if, if you want to have variety and like experience different cars and experience um, different handling, like the, you have to kind of take that on yourself and that's, that's the exact opposite of a game like Gran Turismo that, you know, made you do these license tests and sort of really slowly and steadily built up your skills as a racer. Like Forza, it's absolutely not that game. Like, like you can use, you can use the same three cars for the entire game. Oh. And um, that bums me out a little bit, actually. It's just odd. It makes it feel less gamey. Hmm. Well, there is something about Forza that annoyed me very much right from the start. And even though I'm, in, I'm really dug into it now and enjoying it, it still is baffling to me. And that's that you cannot move the camera up or down while you're driving. Mm. There's different camera angles. There's preset yes. ones. Yes. But you can, you don't have full control of the camera while you're driving. You mm. can only swirl it on the X axis. And I, I mean, like maybe Forza has always been that way. I, like I said, this is my first Forza game, but like, when I jumped in, I was trying to control it like you would a car in any 3D game like Grand Theft mm. Auto, where the camera's behind your car. You can swing it all around, look up and down, but like you just can't do it in Forza. And I think it's crazy in a game with so many accessibility settings. And like Justin was just saying, like you can adjust individual colorblind settings for different colors, but you can't move the camera up or down. Yeah, mm. maybe that is a little odd. I mean, that didn't bug me because I found a preset that like worked for me with like, there's a few that are like tight behind you and some that the camera is a little bit higher in the air. And those yeah. presets were enough for me. But but yeah, I mean, odd. I got I'm, trying to, I'm trying to remember like what how standard. <laughs> well, I'm just, I'm because, tr- you know, there's a very particular like formula um, and uh, like the the presets are those formulas of like typically what players enjoy when they're when they're playing racing games and it's been a minute since i've played one but i can't remember if that's so consistent in the genre or not or if it is always those like three presets yeah um i got i got used to it i got over it but sam i was also (laughs) very very bad at the beginning and what i what i did which enhanced my enjoyment of the game immensely is i turned on assisted steering uh for a while until i got used to it because the game doesn't really explain that you're supposed to break when the blue line turns red. I mean, I mm-hmm. get it. It seems obvious now, but the game isn't explicit about it. Mm-hmm. So I turned on assisted steering and just for a while and like play, did several races and events and got used to it, then turned it back to standard steering. And I was much, much better at it. You know what mm-hmm. the game does, by the way, like I won, like it defaults to like average, you know, drive a tar difficulty. And I won a bunch of races in a row and it's like, Hey, it looks like you're winning really easily. Do you want to bump it up to above average? And I was like, yeah, okay. And then I, I continued winning. Like I've played quite a bit of Forza. So then it's like, hey, you're still winning a lot. Like, do you want to bump the difficulty up to, you know, whatever's next, like highly skilled. So it's like the game will prompt you to kind of try to find that sweet spot of, um, of you know, it wants you to be pressed, but not, you know, not losing all the time. And mm-hmm. when it did prompt me that second time, I said, no, thank you. I'm, I'm happy to just keep... I'm, I'm really, I'm, yeah, I'm really just here to win. Like, I don't, I don't need it to be that close. What a complimentary notification. I'm used to like my Apple watch telling me like, are you sure you're working out right now? Or like Netflix yeah. being like, you're really watching a lot. <laughs> it will, it will do the opposite too. It'll be like, Hey, you know, do you want to bump the difficulty down? Like it'll, it'll do that. <laughs> Is there handbreaking type, like sliding type stuff in a game like this? Yeah. 
there's there's street events and dirt events, and the dirt events are all about drifting. And yeah, you can you can e brake, mm, okay, drift all around, and there's drift you know arcade events and stuff like that. Mm, yeah. Um, oh, it's so good. I'm I'm gonna play as soon as the show's over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll, it's it's like a good game. It's like a, a game that I can play in front of my son because <laughs> he's like he's into cars, like so yeah. many kids are, and he just will watch me drive around. So yeah, my daughters both. They kept commenting on how um, how unfair it was that I could rewind. Unfair. <laughs> like, what? Like that's not fair. You should. That's cheating. You shouldn't be able to do that. I'm like, this is my game. <laughs> Until they play, and then they want the rewind section. Yeah, yeah. Well, what is the penalty for rewinding? There is none. Really? I Just mean, it's your, single player. Your like, yeah, you, in single. You're player. playing. You're playing solo against like AI versions of your friends. Um, you know, so it's not live multiplayer, and obviously, you can't rewind in a live multiplayer race. Um, you lose. You build up little points that let you level up your cars and stuff. And if you have a combo going, you lose your combo and that's otherwise there's no, no penalty of any kind. Like okay. the game's really empowering and player friendly in that way. Um, and, and it actually makes sense because the races can get kind of long and they're usually checkpoint based cause it's an open world. So you have to, you have to go between the flags. And so sometimes like through no fault of your own, you might just miss a flag. And then it's like, that would completely suck to have to like start the race over. So it's like boop, easy rewind to just sort of, sneak and get get on the other side of the flag and make sure you're on the right path damon because your toddler is watching are you only allowed to play as like big yellow trucks <laughs> <laughs> i mean there are a lot of trucks in a game i was playing like a yellow like sports car so he just calls it yellow car game no that's cute <laughs> wants to see the yellow car game um i also played a little bit of a uh, mario odyssey <clears throat> for him and now he likes mario too so he'll mm, ask for mario games oh good choice uh, anyway I'm I'm a convert to Forza Horizon 5. But before that, I, there was another game that I had become obsessed with, and that was Psychonauts 2. I played Psychonauts mm-hmm. 2 for a little bit when it first came out back in August. Then I got distracted by Deathloop and Cry <coughs> 6 and Guardians of the Galaxy. So when I got stuck in Guardians of the Galaxy, I jumped back to Psychonauts 2, and I love it so much. It's on my short list for Game of the Year. Sam, um, you've got to play it. Talk about okay. writing. Like The writing is so good, so funny. And it's a platformer and it's like, it's mm-hmm. just endlessly inventive and creative. You're not doing this. You're never doing the same thing from one five minutes to the next. It's great. And you can change the camera angle. I've actually also been playing <laughs> Psychonauts too, as of, uh, I think yesterday or the day before. So I just started. Yeah. Yes. You do have full control of the camera. It's like, yeah. And it's actually very useful because you've got to like jump on very weird things at different moments. So having that camera advantage helps. Oh, does does Raz grow up to get an office job? Is that him? Well, but, well, he's still with the Psychonauts. Oh, oh, sorry. oh, well, this is the opening of the game, and it's I don't want to spoil it. It's a clever okay. opening to the game. Got it. Mm-hmm. And I actually I ne- never played the original Psychonauts, and I'm still oh really? Loving, yeah, I'm still loving this one. Same. They give you little. They give you like little story moments, um, and there's there's a lot of character names and you know organizations and stuff like that. But they they slowly let you through dialogue options, like ask people questions too. Yeah, uh, it's also a game where there's just a million things to collect everywhere. Oh yeah, so and then a million different ways to combine them, and a million different things to buy to progress your character. Yep. Yeah. Is it a safe for children game? Mm. Yeah, I think so. Because it's just ah! goofy. There, there's certainly no bad language in it. It's a little Maybe creepy to start. Scary. Mm-hmm. They even give you a warning message. Like <laughs> the warning message is a little funny because you know it has your your typical you know there's some flashing lights here and there's mm-hmm. some um, you know potentially uh, triggering visual elements here and there and then it's like but also if you don't like dentists like this mm-hmm. this game oh, might be uncomfortable for you and actually I really don't so <laughs> that was a yeah. good warning for me to get prepared. Yeah, I guess there's some gross stuff. Some yeah, inside the body stuff. Yeah, there Gosh. you go. Was it Resident Evil Eight? Or what game was it where they had the spider, the arachnophobia mode, where you could turn the spider into like a big blob? Grounded. Oh, yeah. Grounded. Grounded, right. yeah. Or grounded. <laughs> whatever. Is it called grounded? I think whatever so. Whatever that game is. Whether you're the, yeah. whether you're the, the shrunken down characters. Yeah. And like the spider would be reduced to like a sphere with a sphere off of it. It's like, yeah. Okay. That's not scary <laughs> that's anymore. That's really funny. Now, what happened um, to that game? It's still in early access. Uh, it's still, you know, they're plunking away at it and it hasn't had its full release yet. Okay. Well, now that I've made the pitch, I think Resident Evil 8 would be a great game to, to release. <laughs> I don't, I don't like zombies or vampires. or like Can all these things just be replaced with teddy bears? <laughs> That's a good mod. 
<laughs> yeah. So, like, like we're saying, just lots and lots of uh, stuff out now to play. Justin, I think you were saying you're gonna you're gonna get back to Skyrim. Yeah, I like I had absolutely no interest in the anniversary edition, but I've been reading up on it. You know, now I dropped today as we're recording this, and um, I, I think I think it's just going to make a perfect Christmas break game. So maybe I'll report back in January. But um, it's been a long time. Like I haven't played that game in years and years. Like it doesn't feel like it's been ten years, but it has. And so um, between all the DLC that I never finished and sort of the quasi official creators club content like i'm excited to jump back into it and see what's new and, and experience it on on the new gen consoles i've never actually finished skyrim i played it a lot in 2011 and then i played it a lot early this year when it was when i had my series x and it was on game pass and i revisited it, but i've never actually finished it does is there so like they, is there new stuff should i now should i play yeah. the anniversary edition okay Yes, like they, okay. so they did, they have what's called the creation club. It's basically paid mods. So it, in my opinion, it strikes this really good balance between, um, you know, like I said, they're quasi official. These are fan made mods that Bethesda sort of vetted and, you know, QA'd and made sure like fit, like they're not like janky mods, right? Like they fit into the lore of the game and, and are integrated well into the game. And you can buy them. Like you can buy this creators club content and put it into your copy of Skyrim and it adds, New dungeons, new quest lines, new armor, new magic spells, new homes. You know, like one of them is like you can buy and run and upgrade a farm. And that's just a thing you can do in Skyrim now um, through, you know, through this paid mod. And the anniversary edition um, includes all of them. Like there's like 72 of these mods that then you can like pick and choose which ones you want to add. Like I don't like armor sets aren't I don't care about that. So I won't install that. But like. Anything that's like a new dungeon or new quest, it's just like, yep, like, let's give me all of it. And like, they've been doing this creators club content for creation club content for, I don't know, like four years now. So it's like this huge, like I'm looking at the list of like stuff that's added and it's not Bethesda made, but it's still like pretty high quality and vetted by them. So that, like, that's what I mean about it. Striking this good balance of like, yes, I would totally go through like a really well-made, you know, mega dungeon that's been like modded into the game by by somebody that that's a super fan that then was released as a paid add-on like mm -hmm. that's super appealing to me and that content totals up it's like a hundred or 150 dollars worth of stuff that um all of it's just now included in the anniversary edition and i believe the anniversary edition is like a 50 dollar game but since the special edition is on game pass the anniversary edition is like yes. 17 dollars on xbox mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's a 50 the anniversary edition is $50. If you have the special edition, you can upgrade it to the anniversary edition for $50 or for 20 more dollars. Okay. And the special edition is what's on Game Pass. Right. So, so you, you can upgrade okay. Yeah, you can upgrade your Game Pass version for uh, 18 bucks since Game Pass subscribers always get 10% off. And um and really what you're buying, what you're paying for is a bundle of that creation club content. That's, that's the only thing that you're getting. That's not already in the special edition mm -hmm. because, um, because the new gen upgrades, the new visuals and loading times and stuff, that's like a free patch that everybody gets. Got it. All right. Well, I, I'll add it to the list. Yeah, I'm excited. And I'll, I'll say, I know we got to move on to other topics. So I want to shout out that I think the animal crossing DLC is like a 10 out of 10. I love it. I'm playing Animal Crossing every day, but I'll, you know, maybe I'll, we can get into it next week or sometime soon. Uh, does anyone think they will jump into the GTA trilogy? Yes. Yeah. No. Uh, yes, I know. <laughs> and an uncertain? Yeah, I don't know yet. I mean, uh, at some point, I would like to. Those games are pretty fun. You know, it'd be fun to re experience some of the ones that I played. I beat all those games. So uh, there's a little bit less incentive for like, I never even beat GTA five. So like, I just feel weird about it. Wow. You should play GTA five then. <laughs> right. While I I'll play one, two, three. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That, that's my issues that I've never, um, you know, I have a lot to experience with the three of those. So for me, it's like basically playing for the first time. So it's a really good excuse that it's come that's out. Cool. Um, yeah. So I'll be spending a lot of time with that and the many other games on my list. Yeah. yeah. I mostly I just want to replay Vice City. That seems that, to be the popular one that people are picking. I think San yeah. Andreas is the most popular one. Well, according to a random poll that we looked at today mm -hmm. when we yeah. were thinking about content to prioritize. <laughs> <laughs> but according to traffic on IGN, it's the GTA yeah. San Andreas. Well, San Andreas has always been bigger, and so we get a lot of wiki uh, guides. It's just a bigger game. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, the Vice City appeal is just like it is like a, a kind of a more of a lighthearted, like funny mm-hmm. 80s version of, of GTA, which I think is super cool. It takes itself a lot less seriously than really any of the later games. And that's saying something because those games don't often take themselves seriously. But GTA San Andreas kind of did. And uh, Vice City had that soundtrack. It's so good. I mean, I think those games are of a moment. Like, I, I can't even imagine the number of hours I put into San Andreas and like passing the controller around in Vice City with my friends. I don't, I don't think they hold up in 2021. Like, I know that the new edition has improved aiming and like some of the really dated gameplay mechanics have been cleaned up, but it's not, it's not like a remake, you know, it's just a remaster. And so I just, I don't, I don't think they're that fun in a modern context. Like, I just, I don't think they've aged super well as, um, incredibly important and influential and incredible as they were at the time. Like it's not something that I'm interested in revisiting personally. Good cheat codes. Well, yeah, you know, they removed some of the cheat codes. What? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was, it's like, just, there's just certain it's, ones that now that, and it's new engine, the, the, the cheat codes would yeah. have broken the game. Like but that. they yeah, said yeah, there are some new ones to discover too. So yeah, a little bit of a balance. Discovered there. one already. Really? One, one, one is big head mode and uh, it's the Konami code. Mm, that's so never good. had it before <laughs> in like all of them all three games or just one of them uh yeah i think that one's universal that's cool yeah okay so lots of new games coming out one thing that is not coming out this holiday season is the steam deck delayed to i want to say february yes. 2022. does this affect anyone on this show Everyone probably. I didn't get it. Uh, I didn't professionally, get a yeah. <laughs> well, okay, professionally, yeah. <laughs> well, it impacts me personally. Then I'll say because I was really excited about it. I mean, I've got the, um, you know, I've got a PC, um, but I like the idea of a Switch version of a PC. As I've been kind of thinking of the Steam Deck in my own head, um, so I was really excited about it. Uh, and uh, I think my ship date was originally. Actually, it was originally like Q1 of next year anyway, but then it shifted to December of 2021. And I was really excited about that. And now I'm kind of lost as to when I should expect this thing. Might be February, it might be March, who knows? Yeah, I always had a Q1. So I, or or even, I think it was Q1. So yeah, I wasn't ever going to get my personal ones here, but I'm extremely excited for it. It's it's going to be my indie indie game player, you know, yeah. with which the well, switches right now. Yeah, I mean the the fact that I'm able to play through, like I'm playing all this all these games as catch up, um, and the fact that I'm able to play so many of them easily is because I have a PC in general. So more portability, like more access, that mm-hmm. that's only means good things. Yeah, yeah, I still want one. I just wasn't able to get a pre order in. Mm-hmm. Or, or or if I could, it was going to be like Q3 2022. Right. I don't really see the mm-hmm. point of... So you're like, forget it entirely. Who knows <laughs> if any of us, if planet Earth is still going to be here then. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> I mean, I, that seemed like it's such a balance between price and power and, you know, weight. like it just really feels like a feat, like, you know, Valve really hit a home run with it. Like I, I chose not to pre-order because like, I'm kind of interested in waiting for like the Steam Deck 2 or like give me one like slightly upgraded version that's, you know, a pound lighter and 50% more powerful. Like, I think that'll be like the Justin sweet spot. But um, but it, it's um, it's such a positive development. And and Steam has Steam isn't just big AAA games. You know, there's 100,000 games on there that are that are all going to run super, super well on the Steam Deck that I think people are really going to love. But Justin, it sounds like you did have a pre-order in for the play date. Yeah, dude, I didn't. I knew about the Steam Deck news. I didn't see the Playdate news. Yeah, that was today. I'm yeah, going to wait for the second morning. version. It's a pound lighter. <laughs> Playdate That's too. such a bummer. It is, but it's for a good reason. Um, you know, because they, they could have shipped it and then had a bunch of people. I, I think it was like 9,000 um, impacted uh, inventory with a battery issue. And so they could have had like you know, a bunch of people with this battery issue and then done a recall and then mm-hmm. fixed it after the fact. And it become like this whole new cycle thing. And instead they like detected the issue and then decided like, you know, we're going to do the right thing here and we're going to delay to make sure that we have every one of our units comes out with a battery life promise that we had to start. And then of course there's the, the shortage issues that's going to doubly impact them, unfortunately. Yeah, did they again, I didn't see the news. Like I know that the Steam Deck news, which I guess we didn't say out loud, we should say is not, 
due to Valve's some issue with the Steam Deck or some inability to get it out. Like it's less of a delay and it's more, you know, it's chip shortages like it is across yeah. the entire semiconductor, you know, anything that has a chip in it. So is that the same with Playdate or? No, they, they actually, there were like 9,000 units or so that they detected had a battery life issue and were clocking in under what they were promising. And that's obviously like a big part of the appeal too, like this like very cute portable thing and it's going to be actually useful. So I'm glad that they did the right thing and, you know, acknowledged that there was an issue and it wasn't up to par. And so they kind of came out and were really transparent about that. But it's also a little bit because they acknowledge like the the shortage issue is still impacting everybody. So while they're going through the process of making sure they get like, you know, whatever right materials and whatnot they need and um, and bringing in these units at the at the standards that they have been promising them at, um, that's certainly going to be because they need to go back into the production pipeline. pipeline and whatnot. And so that's definitely going to be a factor inevitably that impacts them too, like everybody else. Mm-hmm. I, there's a, a strategy that Sega used back in the day for Game Gear where they uh, they had it run on six AA batteries that lasted about an hour. <laughs> and uh, they did not include a uh, power cable with the system. So, you know, that's always a route you can go down. And uh, when they did that, I was really surprised that Sega didn't buy Duracell straight out at that point because that's, <laughs> that's what the money was. <laughs> Vertical integration, baby. Yeah. Also, quiet Justin, partnership. Go ahead. That was it. It was a one-liner. Oh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> I didn't hear it. It was just like they had like a secret partnership. That was it. <laughs> they, I think they actually, like, I think there was something like that for that and a few other games. You know, things at the time, you'd be like, you know, powered by, and then it came with batteries. And then like, you know, you'd have to like, you know, it was like kind of a, you know, like, use the, always use Duracell when you have your, your Game Boy, you know, like, like that. Um, Justin and Damon uh, both have the exact opposite um, takes on the future. So Justin's is a uh, light future in which there will be another iteration of <laughs> yeah of the, the Steam Deck, like yeah. shortly after, not like mm-hmm. five years after. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that's light future, and then dark future is Damon, which there just is no future. So yeah. what's 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 the purpose? But they neither of them pre-ordered. That's the twist. Yeah. Yeah, it's the same. But then you fall into this trap of like, I don't have a VR headset because I keep waiting for the next VR headset. And then it's like, but now I've just been <laughs> like, you know, I used to experience plenty of VR in the office, but now I've just completely missed the VR VR boat entirely because you just keep sitting on the fence waiting for the optimal moment to jump in. And <laughs> like at some point, you just kind of have to jump in and just accept that, like, yeah, there's going to be a better thing down the line. So that, that like, made me want a steam deck but i just i'm choosing to hold off and and hopefully there'll be a second revision before too long okay let's check in with the listeners hey listeners listeners remember you can always reach us at the email address gamescoop at ign.com just like jonathan from buffalo new york did he says with the arrival of n64 games on the switch the time has finally come for my coworker and i to play ocarina of time together for a long time, I've teased him about never having played the game, although it's no fault of his own. His was a PlayStation household and mine, <laughs> Nintendo. You know how it is. It took a drunken arrangement for me to convince him to finally play the game. I agreed to play through God of War, the original, if he would play Ocarina of Time. That's, so, that's the best kind of arrangement. I was say, that's, a, that's one nerdy, drunken arrangement. <laughs> now, God of War has been defeated, and the time has come to finally answer the question we've all wondered. Does Ocarina of Time hold up to modern gaming standards, or is it just a beloved game from my childhood? We started last night, and I'll admit I was nervous. I really want him to like the game. Surprisingly, the biggest roadblock for him right now is the controls. He can't get the hang of Z-targeting, and he died a lot in the first dungeon. Leaves me feeling helpless because I want to help, but I don't want to be a backseat driver telling him what to do all the time. Mm-hmm. So my question for the panel is, what's the best way to introduce a beloved older game to a friend who hasn't played it before? Hopefully we stick with it and I'll have a final verdict on what an adult gamer thinks of his first playthrough of Ocarina of Time. It's a fair question. I think we're really spoiled these days with a lot of remasters, um, remakes and whatnot. So you get to kind of like, you know, more often than not, a lot of things that you might want to show somebody has a new version, um, which is nice. Uh, but outside of Ocarina of Time, because I also can't personally give an opinion on that, um, I would say to only pick games that actually do hold up in modern times. And I bet you guys have some feelings about that. Um, but uh, the other tip I would give, a more general tip is also 
Um, I've had people introduce me to some games where not that I'm, you know, not willing to go through from the start and I can like adjust to retro controls because I'm like have a general like, you know, overview remem- uh, memory of them. And it just takes a little bit to, of practice to get back to the familiar feeling of them, like riding a bike. Um, but for most people, if you like play to a point and figure out the save point that like launches them in and then they have less time investment. Cause for me, it's like, I try to get my brothers to play games and I'll do that sometimes. Cause you know, my, especially my oldest brother will get really annoyed or bored very quickly. So I have to launch him right into the good stuff, get him hooked on that. And then now after he's been hooked, let him kind of play through after that. Hmm. That's a good, good idea. Mm-hmm. The Ocarina of Time in particular, I often wonder if, if, people who played it back in the day just give it a pass today mm-hmm. without really, you know, revisiting it and, and considering it how well it holds up. I feel even like people at IGN, it's just like, it's just a given that Ocarina of Time is great. We don't need to scrutinize it at all. And I, I don't know. I, I haven't played it since it was released myself. I've overly scrutinized it. Okay. Because I've, I've always called it my favorite game of all time and now it's not anymore. Um, but I've also played it completely through and master quest completely through within the last five years. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love it. I think it's super fun to play, even though I know everything in that game. Um, so yeah, I, 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 this is a good choice. I think it, I think it, uh, will hold up in, in its many states and it's really good on the 3ds version. However, um, I would recommend you, if you're working with somebody that's played, you know, that hasn't played a game, especially if it's really old, uh, I really, really recommend buying them the print strategy guide uh, I think they're awesome. I think they're really fun to play through. And I think it provides a bunch of context that's made for beginners at the time, which might be more than enough for people now, but also might add stuff that you might not even realize. Like I loved playing through Ocarina originally with the strategy guide. Um, it's super fun to play through it now and reference it for like the hundred sculptulas and stuff like that, you know, but uh, it's just, it's really helpful. Like I, when I dip back into games, like, um, like I tried to play Earthbound, and this, this is a bad example. It didn't work for me, but like I, I, I really wanted it to work. I wanted to get through most of Earthbound. I got through like the first three cities. Um, used used a print guide, and my favorite part of it was using the print guide. It was awesome. It was super fun it, to it use. Came with the print guide. Yeah, and that one shipped with it, so that's a really good example. So that's one thing, and then the other is that if you have the ability to do this and you're interested in in it, it would be fun to set up a CRT and an old system and play those games the way they're intended with the right controllers with a friend, because there's just a lot that you get out of that. And I think when we had an old TV by our desk, uh, the three of us, that was a really fun aspect of it. It was just like, hey, this is the original thing. Like, this is what it's supposed to look like. This is how it feels. And there's just like a, a good a good feeling to that. And um, obviously sitting in a garage where I can see, you know, four arcade machines with giant monitors next to me. Um, that, that's different for me, but I hope other people can feel that way. It's a good feeling to go back and play old games over. Yeah. It's yeah. interesting that... Oh, so it, go, go ahead, Justin. I, just, I don't know. It's a, really, it's a very fraught topic that kind of rubs right up against... It's very adjacent to some of the worst parts of gaming and gaming culture and discourse um, that... that, that, that touches people, you know, emotionally and gets them worked up in a way that like, I don't think is necessarily super healthy. Um, you see a lot of like, uh, you know, I don't know, like, uh, Castlevania three on the NES is my favorite game. Like play it. I didn't like it. And they're mad, you know? And it's like, <laughs> and, and when we talk about a game holding up that that's not an indictment of, or it, it doesn't mean that people's opinions were wrong when they liked it at the time. It, it's just that certain games, um, and game genres and types of games uh, benefit more from the passage of time and the advancement of technology than others do. Like Super Mario World, for example, like still feels just as good today as it did in the 90s, in my opinion. But certain games and sh- certain genres um, don't. And, and it doesn't, they don't earn, you know, haven't earned their place in the Gaming Hall of Fame or that everybody's wrong. Like Younger gamers are are often kind of attacked for this, for having a harder time getting into the classics. Um, and I, I don't know, it bugs me. And and I think it's kind of a flaw of this hobby that that nothing else, no other form of art has to deal with this. Only video games have to deal with this, you know, albums and 
and, you know, paintings and books, none, none of it has to um, sort of grapple with the advancements in technology and playability and accessibility in the way that video games do. Um, and, and it's kind of unfortunate that this hobby that I love, that's the sort of primary, you know, I don't know, interest in my life, <laughs> um, does have this, what I would characterize as a fairly significant drawback to it. What about talkies? Once you see a talkie, you'll never go back. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, so, you know, it's tough. And, and I do have a curiosity and a fascination with, um, like, I just, I really want to underscore and like double click on like the difference between some games aged better than others, but that, that doesn't mean that the game that aged worse is a worse game. It's not its fault. It's just the, the way that this, um, uh, this culture and this hobby has developed over time, um, benefits some games and some styles of games more than others. Look, you don't have to go this far to uh, make your point about Sonic. We get it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Um, not even... I'm not even... (laughs) Yeah. Justin, you just can't let it go, man. (laughs) It's interesting that Jonathan from Buffalo, New York's coworker was having a hard time with Z-targeting because, I mean, it's just a lock-on. Yeah, I know. Right? Right. That's very very common today. Oh, I also wanted to say, Jonathan... Dude, totally hold your friend's hand because otherwise they're going to bounce off the game. You know, it's like mm-hmm. he's telling them like, oh, I don't want to tell them where to go or what to do. And I'm like, not nah, like use a guide. Like, Sam yeah, that'll said. be annoying. Use a guide or help them out. Otherwise, they're not they're not going to finish it. So, you know, older games don't have those modern conveniences that people get used to. And so, um, you know, you can sort of manufacture them by just helping them out or, or letting them use a game guide to get through it. Yeah, that's kind of like a universal pre-internet. Uh, imperfection that games had and we grant games a little bit of of leeway now because you can use the internet to do anything but like i don't think games have gotten much better at that sometimes you just get stuck you're like i have this happened guardians to me you know like recently it was just like i why am why is this cave the wrong thing i'm going down i don't understand just like it was just because i need to slip through a crack in the wall but didn't didn't find it for a really long time stuff like that happens no cave is the wrong cave to go down there's surely something hidden there that's true yeah, but then rockets. That ended up being true. That's hundred percent. I know. Yeah, they they do always mock you. Like, what are you doing? There's yeah. nothing there. Yeah. We clearly have to go in this direction. It's like, look, I, I know more than you, Rocket. <laughs> yeah, I like when they mockingly uh, <clears throat> they mock him, but they're also like explaining it for him. He's like, oh, I'm sure Peter Quill has something really important <laughs> on his mind. He's just formally formulating a plan for later, right? That's their dynamic because teasing is loving. Mm-hmm. A lot of teasing. Mm-hmm. Okay, this is RJ in New York City. It says, during Halloween weekend, I finally decided to purchase Resident Evil 4 on the Switch after years of hearing the praise as one of the best Resident Evil games. So I booted the game, and during my first encounter in the house, I noticed that I couldn't move while aiming. I immediately hated this game <laughs> because it made no sense to me. A dude comes running with a chainsaw, and I cannot strafe or move away while shooting. I did not enjoy that at all and basically stopped playing. Is there a game mechanic that you immediately disliked and stopped you from enjoying a game? Uh, Actually, to use a Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy example, um, there's... Okay, so I'll just preface really quick by saying I guess it's a bit of a gameplay spoiler because it's a little bit towards the end of the game. So stop listening now for like 30 seconds while I talk really quickly about this. Um, But if you care about that sort of thing. But there's a section where you can actually pilot the Milano, your ship, um, and it's it's so late in the game that it kind of like catches you off guard gameplay wise because up until that point everything's really consistent. You do um, in the beginning of the game too. Do you? I don't remember that, but that's fair. But then there's like a huge gap where you're not like you know playing with those controls, getting familiar with them, and you're basically launched into like I guess kind of a micro boss battle of sorts um and you have to you know so there's like the pressure of these things and then there's like some flying um some flying uh elements to it too following that um and i i just couldn't like quite i don't i generally don't like um flying games in general um so that's just like my personal thing um like dog fighting games or flight sims or anything like that um so it was just an abrupt change for me but obviously i didn't finish i didn't stop playing i just kind of suffered through and that dealt with it feels terrible 
it's just, it's, it's so different. You're not trained for it. Um, I, you know, I think it makes sense because you do spend so much time on that ship. So it makes sense that there would be elements like that. And I do like when games surprise you when, you know, it kind of break up some of the monotony occasionally of, of gameplay. Like it, it can surprise and delight. And then other times it can just be really frustrating if you just happen to not be that kind of, um, player. So I'd say that, or as a personal thing, and then like some QTEs, man, like I just, you know, it's, there's no skill to it really. It's just, it feels like kind of cheating um, interactivity into cutscenes. It's like, why didn't you just make this a cutscene and move on? Especially if you lose big time from them, like if you don't complete it and then you have to like redo it. And it's so silly. It's like, oh, you didn't press this button at the exact right time, which I guess that is a whole game genre when it comes to, uh, you know, rhythm games, but it makes more sense in that kind of situation. That's different. Yeah, right? Yeah, that's the whole thing that you mentioned was the exact thing I was going to mention when a game that's not a driving or flying game, just all of a sudden out of nowhere. You, now this next mission is a driving or flying mission. Yeah. I was like, what? That's if I wanted yeah. to do that, I'd play a flying or driving game. Exactly. Thank Yakuza you. Yakuza is super guilty of that, by the way. <laughs> Yakuza, like. As much as I love those games, but not just the mini games, but like there's usually mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. there's usually like a light gun, like a gun shooting section. That's just. Yeah. I, yeah. It's. Far Cry will do this. Get in this. Now you're going to get in this helicopter. Someone else is driving, and you just have to shoot enemies on the ground with a machine gun. And I just, oh, I was just like, what? This is like, <laughs> it's just not what I want to do. I want to. I want to be in control of what I'm doing in this this open world game. Yeah. Um, I have Sam. Yeah, I I uh, really don't like certain types of. Uh, well, I don't like cards. You guys know that, but uh, I, I don't like certain kinds of menu situations. And uh, the first. It's really the first three Metal Gears, but really Metal Gear Solid 3. Um, I've tried several times to play that because I know people, it's like, that's my favorite game ever. So, like, I, I love exploring games like that when, you know, somebody I respect and it's like, oh, yeah, I'll totally try out this game. I tried it on, uh, I think it was DS. I, I know it's 3DS and then the original on PlayStation. Uh, but um, I, 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 there's part, it's weird. There's a huge inventory system. You start with a bunch of crap in your inventory and then you have to switch your gadgets a lot and none of it's explained it's all just like crazy complicated and i came back to that game after much more streamlined metal gear experiences especially five before uh which is just like you know that game's about sneaking around and the gadgets they give you are like you gotta equip it you gotta like you know maybe expend something like ammo or battery or whatever which is like totally unnecessary to like see where the enemies are and otherwise you get caught and have to start out, you know, like it's just, it, it, it's way too complicated to be sneaky. And that really bugs me. And it's a combination. So that's like the menu stuff. And then also, man, if stealth is bad in a game and a game is like really about stealth, like I cannot stand that. It drives me so crazy. If I can't just easily complete the mission when I screw up the stealth, that's a good solve. Like I like that. But if it's like stealth and I've tried like three or four times, I'm like, this game does not give me the right tools to stealth. I will quit. I, I can't take that. Justin, I couldn't think of one. Okay, uh, <laughs> take one of mine. A couple. No, of I mean, I, like <laughs> there's game genres that I don't like, but like you know, I already know. I already know that it's like not to my taste, right? But uh, the, I couldn't come up with like you know, sort of a show-stopping thing to the to the prompt question. The other uh, Resident Evil shooting situation one is a showstopper for me. I could never play those games. What do you mean, Resident Evil One with the tank yeah. controls? Yeah, yeah, you, you, where you don't actually aim, you just like gun up or gun down. If you're kind of near a centipede, it might get hit by your bullets. <laughs> it's so stupid. <laughs> Maybe it made sense at the time. I uh, guess there's, so. a couple, there's a couple of things. One is super common in games like Guardians of the Galaxy are guilty of it. It's when you're just you're like exploring an area, and then oh, now you're locked in this room until you defeat all the enemies, and then the doors will magically unlock. I just think it's mm-hmm. like. A, like a cheap way of extending, artificially extending the experience, you know. Mm, don't play Death's Door. Well, yeah, there's that too. Um, <laughs> and then what was the other one? Oh, yeah. If if failing or dying in a boss fight sends you back farther than the boss fight. That's, oh, yeah. No. Psychonauts 2 is guilty of that. Uh, yeah. you, if you fail in a boss fight, it'll send you back to like the beginning of that whole platforming area. And you got to wow. do all the platforms to get back to the boss. It's like, mm-hmm. I, don't, Oof, I don't have time yeah. for this. Yeah, bad save structures are definitely a big one for me too. And sometimes even like um 
there's this, there was this one like a uh, section in Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy where you're just sliding around and I just I wasn't getting like some of the jump timing right and then on some occasions I'm like surely this is the one like I, I hit that perfectly and then I still fall to my death and then every time you redo it from the top of the the slide um, or the effective slide the dialogue repeats and at a point of time if you die enough times like the dialogue can get really really grating um, and kind of like add to the feeling of failure too so. Don't love that there's, either. There's a sinking and goo part of Guardians, which I had to restart a bunch of times where it like it's the first time it tells you how to like do this button prompt where you mm. push yeah. sticks inwards and then press mm-hmm. X. Yeah. Like, what is this telling me? It and was that's such one a weird. You... Yeah. Out of nowhere. Yeah. And, they, they, and then you have to listen to them. You have to listen to the yep. whole conversation. Yep. Sinking rock. And then it's kind of disturbing, like rockets, like drowning stuff. And just like, this is horrible. Yeah, yeah my, I only so, so, did that twice, but it's still super weird tutorialization moment. Mm, in that mm-hmm. game. <laughs> Since I'm still early in Psychonauts 2, um, my, my biggest complaint so far is that you can't skip through dialogue. Because I'm, I'm a really fast reader, um, you know, so... Well, well you can skip, skip the... the in, scene, you can skip the whole scene, yeah. I, I want oh, something yeah. like Mass Effect-y yeah. where I can, like, you know, get yeah, them to so. cut themselves off because I've read the subtitles faster yeah. than they're able to Start speak. Start your next line. Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm there. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's a good point. But I definitely actually stopped playing Resident Evil and Metal Gear for those reasons. Those are the ones I can remember. A lot of other games, I'm just like, this is too boring for me. And then I stopped playing. It's not usually a mechanic. There it is. There it is. There it is. Sam, are you going to try to play it in VR? It's supposed, to be, it's supposed to be great in VR. No, I don't want Resident Evil on my face. I think that's such a bad idea. I, I love this game. It's one of my favorites ever. Top five game for me. And I just played a bunch of it on Switch. I love the Switch version. It's just the same same stuff. But yeah, I don't, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I should see what it looks like because, but it's not like it's like an especially beautiful game to like see up close either. Like, you know, it looks like a GameCube game. No, it just <laughs> makes it scarier. I tried RE7 definitely. VR and like could not get through it. It was too scary. Oh my God, I would never play that game in VR. It's just like it's people chasing you through hallways. Yeah, all the time. exactly. So <laughs> okay, and that brings us to video game twenty questions. Our suggestion this week comes from Joseph in New Zealand. Mm, so, Kiwi, do what you will with that information and let the questioning begin. What, what are we supposed to do with that? <laughs> well, they probably had weird PCs instead of Nintendos. Yeah, it's really only England that helps me out because then I know it's a it's a Spectrum game, it's the X Spectrum game, Z ZX as they probably say. I don't know. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's what we call hard mode. Unless Jared's. Are. <sighs> well, we don't have the Halloween theme anymore. Oh yeah, womp womp. What was the? We already had a successor to that, though, didn't we? What do you mean, like a Thanksgiving about, game? Yeah, we had like turkey jokes. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. did this game come out uh, during the uh, fall release season? Um, <laughs> that's a new one. So yeah, seriously, so specific. My research team is, is looking. <laughs> we can lobby a softball while you're looking that up. Uh, yes, it did. Okay. Come cool. out during the fall, fall game. release season. Is it part of a series? That's mm-hmm. tough. <laughs> um, <laughs> I guess technically, I guess technically, yes. Okay. So it's probably like a spinoff or something. Yeah. Um, did this game come out after the January 1st, 2000? Yes. Did this game come out on the Switch? Yes. Love it. Love it when it's on the Switch. Technical Switch series. Did it, uh, you know, was part of its initial launch? The Switch? No, that's five. So, like, it could have come out on PC first or something? Is that what you were going for? Yeah, or, like, years ago. Like, it's just an old game that's on Switch now. That's how I took it. It's, like, something that's been brought to the Switch later. 
Um, is this a Nintendo published game? No. <clears throat> is it an indie game? Yes. Uh, is it also on PC? Yes. Okay. And technically part of a series. Is it a multiplayer game? No. Do you like this game, Damon? Yes, and that's 10. Ooh, emphatic yes. Cool. It's yeah. not Spelunky. That's obviously part of the series. I was, I was going to say, that that's what, keep, that's, what, that's what I keep circling around. It's like, mm, Slay the Spire, like all these kinds of games. Mm-hmm. We just had that on 20 Questions not too long ago. Yeah, probably for the third time. Maybe it's like, I, I don't actually think Magic the Gathering Arena is on Switch, but maybe it's like some you know adaptation of some larger thing out in the world hearthstone darkest dungeon yeah like a hearthstone is this game i don't i don't think it's on switch nobody knows (laughs) seems very on on them yeah like is there any blizzard games besides like the lost vikings type stuff that's on switch (laughs) that's yeah that's Uh, what i was thinking Diablo. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Was this game developed in the United States? Yes. I mean, it could be Diablo itself. Damn. Yeah, but that's clearly Diablo. part of a series. Uh, right, right, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, it, not well, like series Andy's question mark? And, well, wait, and it was an indie game, so it, it, I, you know, not Hearthstone. Oh, crap. Right, I forgot about that. So. Developed in the U.S. U.S. made indie. Mm. Is this game of cards in it? No. What about um? What about like uh like there were some D makes that were made by indies like um, like the blood blood the eight bit bloodstained, mm-hmm. or uh what like the mummy the mummy D make. <laughs> That's such a deep cut. I think it's that mummy. Yeah. I think it's that two D mummy game. What was that, that called? Was, that the Mummy Returns DS. or whatever it is. It was on Switch. Yeah, it was <laughs> wasn't it? It was like two decades. It was like a decade ago, no, right? No, no, no. I'm talking about the the. They made a game. I think it was what Way Forward made the yeah. Mummy. They also 2D. did the Alien one, right? I don't know. Is this game based off of a like a bigger license, like a movie license? No. Oh shit. Okay. There goes my harebrained <laughs> scheme. Uh. Oh, I was so sure I was onto something with that. We don't know. Is it helpful to know if the game's 2D? I'm, I'm picturing it. I was game. thinking that. Is the game 2D? Yes. Do you. Should we ask about killing? Um, like yeah, what like you're is killing? Is a platformer? I was thinking about platformer too. Is there platforming in this game? Yes, that's 15. It's a natural fit. Cool. Indie platformer. It's on the Switch. We don't really know too much about this game that's made in the U.S. Haven't there been like spinoffs of Super Meat Boy for new releases that might not be a series? There was Super Meat Boy Forever, the sort of semi-procedurally generated endless runner that I personally found deeply disappointing. Um, but what I don't know why that wouldn't just be yes part of a series. What if it's based on a game from like a long time ago? Like it's based on a retro game, but it's, you know, something else like the new Strider type thing. Yeah, I was thinking about that too. Is this based on an older game series from way back? No. So that'd be Streets of Rage and stuff like that too. Okay. Maybe Tina's right. I'm trying to think about how to how to like dial this in. Yeah. Yeah. For like for which lot, one? Just like modern platformer like, type stuff. Oh, I think like Meat, Meat Boy Boys. Forever is like pretty credibly a credible candidate here, but I want to ask mm-hmm. it in a way that's not like a stupid. Not way super to ask limiting. It. Yeah. Like do you play as meat? Um those are I, one screen platformers, right? Uh no. They're scrolling, scrolling stages. Okay. Um, this game, so we know it's a platformer. We know it's indie. We know it's 2D. Does this platformer feature like a lot of kind of blood and like axe saws and stuff like that? 
shredded yes. meat. <laughs> I think you're probably right. I think it's Super Meat Boy Forever. Is Team Meat the developer? Yes. Oh. Uh, there was like another. Are we sure it's do, that one and not that. some Is like one off? Because no, like they announced something for super something super Meat Boy yesterday in that um, Thunderful Publishing uh, showcase. That was, that was a what port was that? of Forever to other platforms. Okay, so okay, it must be good. then. Yeah, Tina, you get you do it. It was your you called it. Is it Super Meat Boy Forever? Uh oh, that's your guess. It's not. It's <laughs> something slightly different. Well, is there just Super Meat Boy? Well, yeah. Is there is there? But wait, it's made by Team Meat. Wait, what else did they make? Maybe it's, it's just Super Meat Boy. I yeah, that's that's the thing. I think it's just that like slight tweak. Is it Super Meat Boy? Yes. There we go. <laughs> you, you, it's okay. You cut out when you said forever, so we couldn't even. There you go. That's what it original. is. That's what I said all the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> the original. And that's yeah. awesome. Super Meat Boy Forever just came out recently, and I guess I, I it's an auto runner. So we I just were. It was like I assumed it was a. It never came to we. Um, I <laughs> yeah, well, I, I, I don't know if this is confirmed or if it's just speculation. Like it, it, it's seemed to have started life as like a mobile spinoff because it's an auto runner mm. that, that you can then jump and dash by kind of tapping on the screen. But then, but then like, I, you know, I bought it and played it on switch, for example, um, and just really really didn't care for it at all like i it's so hard <laughs> it's really I hard like, i mean look at this gameplay like this is an incredible work being done yeah. here meat boy meat boy's so good the I original remember the if this is from our review then that's that's my footage you're looking at there you oh, go goodness there, uh, the first clip was oh my gosh the first clip was like a really tough uh you know balancing of buzz saws for sure look at this great remember this one too yeah, game. it's That's insanity. From, this is from the heyday of Xbox Live Arcade and mm, really like mm-hmm. indie game explosion. 2010. It's interesting that WiiWare is on there. It never came. It did not actually come out on the Wii. Weird. Um, and and it never s- came to PlayStation 3 either. That wow. Um, how good was Summer of Arcade, Damon? Like the, it was, the three, I, three, year, three or so yeah. years that like that was in its heyday. I still can't believe they just stopped doing it. It's like, we've got this great thing going. Shut it <laughs> down. Well, but there was just too many, like the you know, like the indie game. There was too many good well, like, indie games, but like event, that. eventized the release of some really, really good ones over a, set, you know, a few weeks. You know, like the, yeah, just seems like a no brainer to me. Just total bangers, like week after week for like several mm-hmm. years in a row during summer of Reiki. That was a great time. Now we get Super nothing over the summer. Thank you for the suggestion, Joseph. Joseph from New Zealand. Viewers and listeners, if you have your own suggestions for video game 20 questions, email them to me at the email address gamescoop at IGN.com. And that is all the scoops that we have for you this week. Thank you to Tina, Sam, and Justin. Thank you to Marianne working behind the scenes to make this episode possible. Uh, we'll be back with a regular episode next week. The week after that is Thanksgiving. So if we can find some time to record an extra 100 questions episode next week, oh, yeah. which I've got our coordinator looking into, we'll still have an episode for you the week. But everybody have good weekends. Play all the fun new games that are out. My name is Damon. This is IGN Games. And we're out.